and welcome to another Scots Way Hey podcast. Um, a few years ago, we spoke to Alistair Gray just after he had finished um, his book of Me and Others, which was a collection of his prose which hadn't appeared um, collected anywhere else um, since. And we spoke to him about the importance of um, writing and a public libraries, I suppose, in his early life and uh, continuing um, throughout. Well, um, this podcast is another uh, chat with Alistair, as well as um, another previous podcast guest, Kevin Brown, but this time it's about his art. Now, the reason for this um, podcast primarily is to promote the exhibition which is happening in London at the Coningsby Gallery, as um, you'll hear Kevin um, set out. It's Alistair Gray's Life in Pictures, the exhibition, Paintings, Drawings and Prints, 1951 to 2017, and it runs in uh, London's Coningsby from the 27th of July to the 12th of August. But it gave us uh, a chance to discuss, we've discussed the writer, Alistair the writer, and now we, we could discuss Alistair the artist and why how art had been important to him from an early time. And as you'll hear, how um, the art writing and the painting and illustration and murals uh, were all part of the one thing, they were all part of his artistic life, his life in art. Um, it was great to um, see Alistair again and uh, be able to catch up and discuss such things as not just the exhibition, but um, why he decided to illustrate his um, writing, um, the importance of public art to him um, and as in turn public galleries as well as he discusses his forthcoming um, project, which is going to be published by Canongate, um, his take on Dante's um, Divine Comedy. And um, I can't wait personally to, to see the finished um, result of that, which, as he says, is going to be published in three separate sections. But... You don't want to listen to me. <laughs> you can hear all this um, from the horse's mouth, so to speak, by listening to the podcast. And I'll see you on the other side of this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Scotsway podcast. And today we're going to be talking to Alistair Gray. Uh, hello, Alistair. Hello. And Kevin Brown. Hello, Alistair. And uh, we're going to be talking about, um, well, Alistair's got an exhibition coming up in London, uh, which Kevin is curating. So, Kevin, if I could start with you, just tell us a little bit about this exhibition, which is going to happen in London. Right. It's going to be in the Fitzrovia district. It's not far from the British Museum. Um, the gallery is the Coningsby. Um, Alistair and I talked about doing something like this, and I began to place calls to the 10 best galleries in London. I found the website 
And I said, I'd like to do an exhibition of the art of Alistair Gray. And they said, Alistair who? So uh, Andrew Coningsby, who, uh, who is lovely, uh, took a look at Alistair's art and said, this is amazing. Yes, we should do this. So I'm partnered with the Coningsby Gallery to do an exhibition of Alistair's paintings, drawings, and prints. It's going to run for three weeks this summer. And Alistair, had you shown in London before? Had you been...? I've had uh, exhibitions. My work has been exhibited before in London in... Uh, I think called... What happens every two or three years is at the British Art Show. Yes, I... Uh, and... Uh, it has uh, exhibited my work before in in London and three uh, three other English cities and in Glasgow. It's uh, that's the only one I can remember just now. Yeah. How do you approach um, when you know you've got a, a show like this coming on? Do you you feel you have to return to old work, or is it you feel it's a, you have to produce something new, or is it a mixture of everything? Oh, as far as this is concerned, I haven't been producing anything new. Uh, uh, Kevin asked what work I had available, and I, I told him I had several original paintings that were unsold, and... Um, and he has been arranging, he's arranged things since then. Um, in the last few years, people have been, I think, looking a bit more at your art rather than perhaps your writing. You had the exhibition at the Kelvin Grove, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a distinct division between the writing and the art side of things? Because obviously you illustrate the writing as well. How do you approach that? Well, I don't. I mean, uh, I always wanted to to draw and paint and write. And uh, the earliest children's books I saw all, all the pictures in them. And uh, as I say, when I went to art school, I was I'd already embarked upon. I'm writing my first novel. In fact, it took me about 25 more years before I finished it. Uh, but, but um, as I say, the, uh, uh, I, I assumed... I arranged exhibitions my, for myself, mm-hmm. uh, quite big ones, they didn't get much attention. Um, the, the last, the last and biggest one, which, uh, oh no, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I can't go into all the details of it. The, the last, as uh, um, I say, I'd. I'd uh, Eventually, thought I'd. Um, I felt I belonged to uh, a 
kind of lost generation of painters mm -hmm. because uh, I went to Glasgow Art School in 1952 and at that time practically all the other art students were um, expecting or hoping to become teachers. Many of them did. Right. I briefly did myself. And, uh, but we, there was a, a strong feeling that, uh, of course, you, you can never be an artist in Scotland. You'll never make enough money mm -hmm. to do it. And, uh, and in fact, um, several painters did go down to London in order to manage to carry on. Uh, I, I, I did not, and uh, eventually I, I remember there was the, the business in which a set of comparatively young painters, from my own point of view, Adrian Vyshnesky, oh, what are their names again? Peter Housen. Peter, know? yes, and uh, and um, Campbell, Stephen Campbell. Yes, who died. Uh, uh, they were they weren't long out out of Glasgow Art School, but uh, what had happened was that uh, 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 someone in Glasgow Art School had uh, strong connections in the USA, mm -hmm. and uh, he got them a show, shows in. Chicago and New York, which sold well. So then they had an exhibition in the Serpentine, I think, in in, uh, in London, and sold well. Mm -hmm. So they came back to Glasgow <laughs> and started selling quite well. Yes. Yeah, that is the British, the Scottish Arts Council, and bought some of their work for London prices. And I thought, surely it's time that people like. <laughs> uh, and uh, some friends of mine had a chance and uh, anyway, anyway I asked the, um, the Scottish Arts Council if it would finance an exhibition uh, a travelling exhibition of work by, by me and contemporaries my friend Alan Fletcher, who had died unluckily. My friend Carl Gibbons, who is still and still is painting. Alistair Taylor, dead now. John Connolly, dead now. Anyway, anyway, the uh, I asked uh, the Scottish Arts Council if it would uh, uh, let's see pay for the galleries mm -hmm. uh, and. Uh, they said they would consider it. Uh, what galleries? Anyway, I thought we'll start with the. Uh, we'll start with the. The one in Glasgow, the McClellan um, Galleries, mm -hmm. and I got in touch with them, and they explained that uh, I could book a gallery, but only if I paid half the fees of it right away. Right. So I did. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that's kind of explained that they weren't quite sure of the idea of the show and so they weren't going to help me. So I, to raise the money, I, I sold. By this time I was getting known as a novelist and writer mm -hmm. and I sold a very big collection of 
original diaries and notebooks to the National Library of Scotland, and with that money I was able to both rent the uh, the place, rent a van to to collect the work. I got the Talbot Gallery, Duncan Macmillan, the, in the, uh, a good a good a good public gallery in Edinburgh, mm -hmm. and in uh, another in Aberdeen. Agreed to to take my travelling the travelling show of these artists. Anyway, I I, I held it the um, practically no attention paid to it by the Scottish Scottish press. Mind you, the, and the, one of the things after the McClellan Galleries, which was in the centre of a is in the centre of a block, mm -hmm. uh, which should be shops round it. The shops caught, caught fire, and um, as a result, people thought, you know, the the entrance from Socky Hall Street was cut off. I started putting up big posters saying, entrance from Rose Street, right the corner. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was funny, we would put them up each each morning we came in, these posters had been torn down. I don't know why or by whom mm -hmm. or why, but um, we would put them up again and the next day they'd be torn down again. It, anyway, anyway it, at the end, at the end uh, nothing was sold by the show. It, it was, we... We took it to Edinburgh and then to Aberdeen Municipal Gallery. But they, well, they didn't sell anything. We didn't lose anything by it. Uh, but uh, eventually I thought, oh well, this is useless. I shall never do another show mm -hmm. again unless people pay for it themselves or ask me. Mm -hmm. And then, but, uh, but in fact, I, I rather foolishly, no, I, I decided I would have a show in, uh, there was a gallery, the Café Cossachok. Yes. Uh, it, it, it had a, a place for a gallery and I thought, I'll, I'll exhibit my paintings there. And I, um, since, and um, I, <laughs> Just paintings that I can, uh, well, that, that I have framed or can borrow back. Mm -hmm. And while I was doing it, I was contacted by uh, Sorcha Dallas, uh, who had her own gallery at that time. And she said, um, would I like help with hanging these pictures? I said, mm -hmm. yes, indeed. Yeah. And she said, she said I, I shouldn't need to be... I was surely sufficiently well known. I felt that I should be having my paintings in public galleries, not private ones, and certainly shouldn't be having to hang my own work in the, the basement of a cafe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, well, well, could you deal for me? And she said, yes, she could. And she did. Magnificently, uh, you know, eventually the, the, the thing was the big 
שהוא קלווין גרוב, אבל She gave up the gallery because she was going to have children. Now it's three. And uh, said she would have to stop being my dealer. So I said, oh, well, I'm very sorry, but I hope she would continue to advise me. And she said, yes, she would. But uh, after, after, uh, after that, I, uh, I had a reputation in... Uh, in Scotland, but uh, I was beginning to get known in England because of the British Council purchasing and so forth. And uh, uh, when um, Kevin Brown, well, uh, I first got to know him because he was running these concerts on behalf of Scottish independence mm-hmm. in, in the uh, in the Oran Moor and uh, He asked if he could use any of uh, images I'd turned into prints to, uh, uh, to advertise uh, uh, this, these, these shows he was, he was di- directing and organising. I said, yes, certainly. So he did. And then he, uh, he, he asked if... Um, If he could deal with my work and I said yes yes certainly and uh, and he did hence this um, this exhibition in London <laughs> there was a little bit of tension uh, caused because uh, around about the same time as uh, Sorcha contacted the, the Tate Gallery and had somebody representing it coming to see me and, uh, and has bespoken some work of mine and, uh, and um, but, but uh, there'll have to be a meeting of her bosses <laughs> before the Tate uh, well before she finds if the tape will accept them. But uh, that's the situation now. Um, so, Kevin, you obviously sought songs for Scotland, which is how we met as well. Um, and was the, using Alistair's art to help promote that, and of course, as you say, it was in Oran Moore, which has his fabulous mural there as well. Was that the kind of spark to maybe do some more stuff with the artwork? Did you think that this should be better known? Well, I got to know Alistair through that. I mean, we met in 2014 over Songs for Scotland, the first iteration, mm-hmm. and Alistair kindly consented to the use of Bella Caledonia. I mean, these images are bold and simple and beautiful, you mm-hmm. know? So the next time, uh, the second iteration, which was an evening for Alistair Gray, we used the bagpiping lion rampant. And uh, I think the relationship deepened. And... Uh, I saw a need 
because Alistair, Alistair's art, when he was older, he, nothing much was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love a challenge. So if you're going to be an art dealer, start at the top. Start in London and work your way down. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it's been going. Um, yes, but I've met, you know, I'm talking to people at various public collections, quite a few public collections, about acquiring Alistair's work. Um, you mentioned how working with Saoirse Dallas made a, a difference, but you also brought out um, the book Life in Pictures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that helped people to realise more, more uh, that you were an artist as well as, as mm-hmm. a, a novelist? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mean, the term literary supplement gave a, quite a strong puff to them, my, my book of life and pictures. Uh, it, it, it was the business I'd, of course, I'd all, all along when I was <laughs> at art school, I would have, I, I'd have preferred Kenneth Clark to, to be uh, introducing a book of my own work and later, uh, later, sort of, Herbert Reed and later still John Berger, all dead now. Mm-hmm. And but uh, then thinking, d- discovering I could, I could persuade my publisher. Well, I talked about it for years, uh, but uh, I got uh, Canongate, the publishers of my uh, two or three of my novels, my mm-hmm. first collection of short stories them to publish the book of uh, my life in pictures <laughs> so I've, um, I have been promoting myself as well as <laughs> having a first circuit Alice and uh, just now Kevin um, going back to you said that the books you read when you were young had pictures in them, I and mean, what what kind of books are we, we, we talking there? Well, initially the dandy, the Bino, mm-hmm. um, illustrated short stories by uh, Hans Anderson. Yeah, uh, who was great. No, but but uh, stories of Doctor Doolittle, Hugh Lofting, just so stories by. Uh, Rudyard Kipling, which he illustrated himself magnificently. The Rose and the Ring by Thackeray. Mm. Uh, a story written for children, but um, he illustrated it himself. And uh, as I say, I, I found that very often <laughs> books I enjoyed had illustrations and designs in them by the authors. And um, and you know, I thought, and so they should. <laughs> so, when you started Lanark, was it always going to have illustrations? Not particularly, no. But um, when it was finally accepted by Canongate, uh, of course they didn't mind me designing the cover, and I thought I'll design the uh, the four, no five, interior title pages, and uh, 
And, and um, since they weren't paying me to do it, <laughs> and, and it doesn't cost extra nowadays to illustrate, to black and white illustrations along with. And again, then, uh, I also wanted to design the, the layout of the book and uh, explain that, uh, for instance, uh, to me, a long work of fiction gains by being subdivided into paragraphs, but uh, and uh, but uh, a new paragraph is generally suggested by indenting the first line, mm-hmm. giving it a deeper margin than the usual. But uh, it's also a, a habit of. Um, Nowadays, of, of most publishers to to indent for a new speech, and I didn't want that because it meant that each speech, separate speech, looked like a paragraph by itself, mm-hmm. and was also dividing the paragraphs into many little ones. So I explained I just wanted it indented by the uh, the depth of the quotation marks, and uh, at first. The publishers, what do you call it, um, Stephanie Wolf Murray, said she wasn't sure about that and it wanted to look eccentric. However, she had a page printed the way I wanted and it didn't look eccentric at all, so they <laughs> let me go ahead. And when it came to the second book, which was um, Unlikely Stories mostly, mm-hmm. uh, they let me, again I insisted on that I wanted to be paid because this was going to be much more lavishly illustrated mm-hmm. uh, since it had uh, illustrations almost every page or every second page. And, uh, well, they did pay me. And, uh, and let me design the book, etc. And uh, as happened with the first, the... Uh, they, they were given a Scottish Arts Council award for the best printed and designed book. Ah, oh, right. No. The publishers got it, not me. <laughs> uh, but but and uh, um, anyway, after after that, in my in my dealings with uh, with London publishers, uh, my my second big novel. After I'd written half of it, I, I ran out of time and money, and I asked Canongate if they could give me a, an advance of a thousand pounds to finish it. Mm-hmm. They said they would try. They tried by approaching an American publisher and asking would they give an advance of a thousand pounds? Because if they did, if the American publishers give Canongate a thousand pounds, they'd give it to me. Uh, and but the publishers decided they didn't like that. My second book. 1982, just Janine, which I think my best mm-hmm. novel. But, but um, um, any, any, anyway, I had to stop writing it until it was suggested that I send it to Bloomsbury. No, no, no. Jonathan Cape, the editor. Uh, what was her name? Calder. Um, but uh, anyway, she took it 
gladly. So after that, I, I waffled between because there was a, a hint that was being suggested in Scotland that after, after Cannon Gate had made me famous by publishing my, my first two books, I'd run away to the flesh pots of London to get more money. Uh, and um, so after that, I kept, I gave my third wee novel, The Fall of Kildren Bucker, to... I've, 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 um, I've dodged between Canongate and London publishers, uh, or sometimes from Canongate when I didn't particularly want, so I could go to a Scottish publisher, a small publisher. It couldn't be much money, but anyway. Um, I mean, I believe Canongate are going to publish your translation of Dante's Commedia. Um, yes, though I prefer to call it a paraphrase in prosaic rhyme. I've observed the terza rima, rima form, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not a translation uh, where most translations and I've read about, I have about seven or eight translations, English translations of Dante, and very good many of them are, and much more accurate in many ways than mine. But uh, they, they struck me as being um, in what I would call translatorese. They didn't sound like uh, the voice of somebody talking. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I... I felt that, uh, as Ezra Pound and uh, T.S. Eliot, and for that matter, Gerald Manley Hopkins, suggested that a a modern poem should be written in something like modern grammar. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, anyway, in in trying to produce a smooth, contemporary-sounding English I um, I therefore often simplified the intricacies of, um, of Dante's speech insofar as I could gather it, since I don't know Italian. <laughs> from the um, I use mainly uh, I think his, his name is Singleton his uh, prose translation, though I looked into other ones as well at the right. same time. But, uh, but but anyway, Canongate are going to um, Canongate are going to to publish it since I've, I've given them the completed text. Uh, most of my rhymes, many of my rhymes are internal rather than end rhymes. Though I okay. have end rhymes where I can do that. But but anyway, they, that's agreed. I've also agreed to. Uh, to illustrate it. Um, and in the um, Dante that you've done, uh, is it going to be illustrated as well? Are there illustrations to accompany it? That's what I have to do. It's going to be brought out in three parts. Uh, Inferno, Purgatory, uh, Paradiso. And uh, the idea is to... 
having furlough printed for Christmas 2018 and uh, for this they want the illustrations, cover designs etc by February. Have you, no one, no publisher has ever said to you actually we'll do the design of your book, have they? I take it no one would be so foolish. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, most translations, the uh, most publishers have what they call their own house style. Sure. And uh, and when it comes to foreign translations, they've of uh, of my work, they've they've seldom uh, followed my. My designs, uh, they've, uh, you know, um, uh, some have, and in terms of using the illustrations. Some of your illustrations for your fiction, um, as we've mentioned, are some of your most famous work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, is, are there examples of that in the exhibition in London? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> we are doing a comprehensive show of drawings, paintings, and prints. Uh, Alastair has, for the soundest and best of reasons, done a series of prints through the Glasgow Print Studio and others, uh, which feature illustrations from the books. And they're limited edition and signed. And the idea is that his art should be accessible to many, not just for connoisseurs to hoard away. So a really key part of this is to properly publicize the show, get the London press interested, get people down to look at the prints. And, you know, I've heard this very often from people who contact me. I loved Lanark. You know, I, I just read it. It's great. And I want something by Alistair. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's an, people like them here in Scotland, but it's an, and people ought to like them elsewhere. Alistair just published uh, with Glasgow Print Studio two new ones, uh, Ozymandias and the Tower of Babel. They're fantastic. And the illustrations come from the Axeltree stories, from Unlikely Stories, mostly 1984. Yes. They're brilliant, brilliant works. Um, We've touched upon the mural um, work in On and More, and you've done uh, murals elsewhere. Do you feel that public art is important, something that can be viewed, uh, as Kevin alluded to, by everyone. That's kind of accessible to everyone. The only art I ever saw myself, apart from that, that was reproduced in books, was in uh, public art galleries, collections. And um... Yeah, it seems uh, I, I worry that public galleries are under threat as much as kind of public libraries are as well, which uh, yes. would be a tragedy all round. Aye. Hmm. Agreed. Well, I think we'll call it a day there. Alistair, so much, thank you so much for talking to us. And Kevin, nice to see you again. Indeed. Yes, uh, glad. Looking forward to seeing this. And um, we'll be back uh, very soon with someone different. Thank you. So that was our chat with Alistair Gray and Kevin Brown and I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did at the time. Um, always fascinating to 
to, to Alistair Gray about art and life because for him the two are inseparable. And the exhibition promises to be something um, very special. So if you are in London at that time, um, you should go and check it out. But there'll be links on the website to and the gallery's website uh, where you can see uh, the prints and the work on offer. And usually at this point I say we'll be back soon with someone completely different. But I can tell you who that's going to be because this afternoon I um, recorded a podcast with the poet and writer and musician, a Andrew Gregg, who has released a CD along with the musician Brian Mickey called Clean By Rain, um, which is spoken word and music, and you'll hear us talk all about that then, so I won't spoil it by um, mentioning it now. Suffice to say that we also talk about his poetry and his um, prose, and we even get um, an exclusive uh, bit of music as well. So that should be with you um, very soon. But in the meantime, thanks as always for listening, and we'll be back um, very soon. Cheers. Mm-hmm.